Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. This week on Southcrest Live, featuring Dr. David Wilson, we continue our new study called Fail, a series on the epic failures of the Bible. Today, we examine the folly of King Ahab, who in his arrogance somehow thought he could thwart the will of God. His rejection of the truth cost him everything. Open your Bible to 1 Kings 22 and listen to this week's message, The Danger of Feel-Good Religion, from Pastor David Wilson. If you have your Bibles open to 1 Kings chapter 22, we're going to continue a short series on epic failures. Now, this is not by any means the exhaustive list. Last week, we talked about Achan and the secret sin that so many people think they can get by with. And today we're going to talk about Ahab. And basically you can sum him up as awful. Uh, Ahab was probably the most wicked king that Israel, the northern kingdom, had. I don't know how you can compare because some of them, several of them were evil. But in this particular case, Ahab basically says, don't tell me that. I don't want to hear it. And, you know, that goes on a lot today. There are a lot of people who say, I I don't go to that church because they are judgmental. They are too hard. They they talk about sin. I've actually had people tell me that. You know, I I don't like your preaching because, you know, you basically all I do, it's the messenger. I'm just the mailman. The, The message is God's word. But today we're going to talk about the danger of feel good religion. If you have your Bibles, I want to read just a portion of this account and I'll, and I will loosely paraphrase the rest of it for you. But if you would stand while I read out of God's word, beginning in verse one, chapter 22, first Kings. Now three years passed without war between Syria and Israel. Then it came to pass in the third year that Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah went down to visit the king of Israel. And the king of Israel, now Ahab is the king of Israel. And the king of Israel said to his servants, do you know that Ramoth and Gilead is ours? But we hesitate to take it out of the hand of the king of Syria. So he said to Jehoshaphat, will you go with me to fight at Ramoth Gilead? Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. Also Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Please inquire for the word of the Lord today. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together. About 400 men said to them, shall I go against Ramoth Gilead and fight or shall I refrain? So they said, go up for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. And Jehoshaphat said, is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? So the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is still one man, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him because he does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say such things. 
Then the king of Israel called an officer and said, bring Micaiah, the son of Imlah, quickly. Now go down to verse 13. Then the messenger who had gone to call Micaiah spoke to him saying, now listen, the words of the prophets with one accord encourage the king. Please let your word be like the word of one of them and speak encouragement. Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that I will speak. Now go to verse 16. So the king said to him, how many times shall I make you swear that you tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And then he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let each return to his house in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, did I not tell you he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? Let's pray. Lord, we ask you to help us to always be people who want the whole truth and nothing but the truth. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. You may be seated. A small town prosecuting attorney called his first witness to the stand. It was a grandmotherly, elderly woman. He approached her and he asked, Mrs. Jones, do you know me? And she responded, why, yes, I do know you, Mr. Williams. I've known you since you were a young boy. And frankly, you've been a big disappointment to me. You cheat on your wife. You manipulate people and talk about them behind their backs. You think you're a rising big shot when you haven't the brains to realize you're, you will never amount to anything more than a two-bit paper pusher. Yes, I know you. The lawyer was stunned, obviously, not knowing what else to do. He pointed across the room and he said, well, Mrs. Williams, do you know the defense attorney? Why, yes, I do. I've known Mr. Bradley since he was a youngster too. I used to babysit him for his parents, and he too has been a real disappointment to me. He's lazy. He's bigoted. He's got a drinking problem. The man can't build a normal relationship with anyone, and his law practice is one of the shoddiest in the entire state. Yeah, I know him. The judge rapped on the desk, called the two attorneys to the front. He whispered to them in a very quiet voice. He said, if either of you ask her if she knows me, you'll be held in contempt. <laughs> Truth is an interesting concept. We know we need to hear it, but some people don't want to hear it. One of the things I love about this church and about this congregation is that you always, or at least you appear or tell me that you want to know the truth. And the truth comes from God's word. Let me fill you in on what's going on in this passage. I already told you Ahab was married to Jezebel, and he was one of the most wicked kings that Israel, the northern kingdom, ever had. The kingdoms are divided. The northern kingdom is Israel. Ahab is the uh, king. The southern kingdom, Jehoshaphat, is the king. Ahab doesn't want to have really anything to do with God. He's already introduced pagan worship into Israel because of his wife Jezebel. But somehow God in his sovereignty keeps protecting Israel, even though they've got an awful king. In the prior chapters to this, you find them going to war against Syria. 
In one particular case, Ahab was supposed to kill the king of Syria, Ben-Hadad, but he didn't do it. He disobeyed what God through the prophets told him to do. And there was a prophet in chapter 20 that met him and called his hand on it and said, you disobeyed God and it's going to cost you. Now, we don't know if it was Micaiah, but a lot of scholars believe it was him. Well, it's been three years since they've been at war and Syria has yet to defeat Israel, even though Syria had 32 nations working together. He had quite an army, but Israel kept winning. Well, Ahab began to think, well, Ramoth and Gilead, which is about 25 miles from where he was, that city belongs to us and we need to go take it. However, he knew that the Syrian army had more troops and also had all of this uh, cooperation from 32 other kings. And so he just happened to ask Jehoshaphat if he would help him. Now, it's interesting. Jehoshaphat is married to Ahab's daughter. So that makes Ahab the father-in-law of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, on the other hand, is a godly man. He wants to follow God, and you will read about him. And he really did away with a lot of paganism in Judah, and he brought people back to um, worshiping God. And so Ahab knows that Jehoshaphat's probably a godly man, and so he asked him, will you help us? And isn't it interesting that many times when somebody needs help and they don't really want to have anything to do with God, they will solicit somebody who they think has a relationship with God because it'll just help them that much more. Well, anyway, he asked Jehoshaphat, shall we go to war? And Jehoshaphat said, well, I will let you have my men and my horses and my army, but can we seek God in this? Ahab said, no problem. And so he brought 400 prophets before them. And every one of them, he asked, shall I go up against Ramoth Gilead to fight or shall I refrain? And without the slightest hesitation, the prophets all set up, said together, go up for the Lord will deliver it into your hand. Now, Jehoshaphat was not impressed. He, he, even though 400 men, 400 prophets came up and said, you need to go. Jehoshaphat said, uh, can we talk to a real man of God? That's not how he asked it, but that's basically what he was saying. And Micaiah said, yeah, there's this one guy hangs out around here, never has anything good to say about me. Now his answer speaks volumes. And it's the first truth I want you to see. And it's what I call the choice, the truth or feeling. I decide what is true by how it makes me feel. There's no mystery about what Ahab was saying here. He didn't want to bring Micaiah because he knew Micaiah would say something negative and disturbing and probably tell him not to go. And Ahab already had his mind made up. It's sort of like when people say, well, this is what I'm going to do. Now I'm going to find somebody who will support me and at least pray to God that I can do this. Sometimes we make up our mind and then we say, God, what do you want me to do? And we're expecting him to say, well, here's the stamp of approval. You just go right ahead. Well, Jehoshaphat, on the other hand, was not in the least concerned about how Micaiah made Ahab feel. He was interested in knowing if we go to war, are we going to come back alive? And so they sent an officer to get Micaiah. 
And when Micaiah was approached by this officer, and you can read this in chapter 22, basically in verse 13, he said, now listen, the words of the prophets with one accord encourage the king. Let your word be like the word of one of them and speak encouragement. In other words, Micaiah, can't we make this unanimous? 400 have already said yes. Can't you just go in there and instead of irritating Ahab, can't you just go in there and speak with them? Because Ahab doesn't want to hear any bad news. It sort of reminds me of a father who came home from day at work one day. He was tired and had a rugged day at work. And he said to his wife, said, look, I've had a bad day. Please, if you had any bad news tonight, keep it to yourself. She said, okay, no bad news. Can I give you some good news? Yeah. Well, remember our four children? Yeah. Three of them didn't break an arm today. <laughs> I guess it's all in how you present it. Huh? I want you to notice something here that you probably would not catch unless I call your attention to it. Some of you would. Look at verse 6. The last phrase. All of these prophets are saying, go up for the Lord. You see the word Lord? Capital L and then small letters. Okay, now if you drop down here and, and um, verse 7, and Jehoshaphat said, is there not still a prophet of the, you see the word Lord, all capitals. That tells you there's two different Hebrew words here. The first one, the capital L with the small letters, is what we would normally call or translate Adonai. Adonai is one of the names of God, but it's more of a description. It means master or Lord. But the word L-O-R-D that's all capitalized is the derivative of Yahweh, which was later turned into Jehovah. Both of those names are synonymous, and there's a lot of history behind all of that, but it's the personal name of God. Now, here's how I interpret that. These prophets were saying, yeah, the, the God will, the master will make you go. And, and Jehoshaphat said, can we not find a prophet of, and calls him by name, God? There's a more personal tone here. You see, a lot of people can give penance, or not penance, they can give, uh, well, I can't think of the word. They talk about God, but not in a personal way. They they talk about the man upstairs or the supreme being or whatever, that there is a God, so forth. But then those of us who know God, we call him Father because we're, we're told that we can. We have a, a personal name. And so instead of the 400 man-appointed prophets that will say anything, Jeho Jehoshaphat said, can we not talk to a man who will tell us the truth? Isn't it interesting that there's no shortage of preachers and churches who seeing the desire of people for a message that makes them feel good are anxious to supply it. One denomination conducted a nationwide campaign to attract new members years ago, and they used this slogan, instead of me fitting a religion, I found a religion to fit me. Oh, it's going on today. There are echoes of Ahab here. I don't have to listen to Micaiah if he causes me to be depressed. Jesus faced this same problem in John chapter 6, verse 60 and verse 66. We find that many people turned away from Jesus because he began to say some hard stuff. 
I am the only way. You will come to Father through me. It's not by you at all. You can do away with all of your works religion. It's going to be through me, and you're going to have to follow me. And these people began to say, no, we're not going to do that. And many of them began to leave as soon as the miracles of bread and fish were finished. The apostle Paul warned Timothy. He said in 2 Timothy 4, verse 3, for the time will come, the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Let's just face it. Christianity has some difficult messages, doesn't it? Now, it's got good news. Don't misunderstand me. Obviously, we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But think about it. Christianity says all of us have sinned. No, no exceptions. Christianity says that if you don't deal with that sin or get it taken care of, then you're going to die and be doomed to destruction eternally because you are a sinner separated from God. Nobody likes to hear that. As a result, many people ignore the gospel. And then they look for a message that basically says, you know what, you're, you're okay, I'm okay. And, and we can, uh, everybody's going to get there. We're just looking at it through different lens and we're going to have different paths. And it's kind of the Oprah style of religion. <laughs> Paul told Timothy, you need to be instant in season and out of season to speak the truth. One of the reasons, not the only reason, but one of the reasons I love you so much is because you want to hear the truth. You want to hear it right out of God's word. There's a lot of good things that God's word tells us about salvation and, and being forgiven and being rescued and being saved. But then the Bible talks about sin. And it talks about following God. And it talks about morality. And it talks about the things that God says, this is sin regardless of what Congress says. This is sin regardless of what the Supreme Court says. This is sin regardless of how you feel. It's either the truth or not. Christian Smith and did some research with his fellow researchers with the National Study of Youth and Religion at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. They took a close look at the religious beliefs of teenagers. They found that the faith held and described by most adolescents came down to something that they called this. They finally named it something. Here's what they called moralistic, therapeutic deism. Moralistic, therapeutic deism. And here's what their beliefs consist of. A God exists who created and ordered the world and watches over human life on earth. God wants people to be good, nice, and fair to each other as taught in the Bible and by most world religions. The central goal of life, the central goal of life, the central goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about oneself. God does not need to be particularly involved in one's life except 
when God is needed to resolve a problem. And last of all, good people go to heaven when they die. To sum it up, the creed to which much adolescent faith can be reduced after conducting more than 3,000 interviews with American teenagers, the researchers reported that when it came to the most crucial questions of faith and beliefs, many of them responded with a shrug and said, whatever. You see, we live in a day and we're being told, you're being told what's wrong for you may not be wrong for me. What's right for you may not be right for me, but we're supposed to accept each other regardless. And don't you call what I'm doing sin, but it doesn't matter what you and I call it. God calls it that if it's, if it's inconsistent with his word. So next let's, let's look at the courageous speak the truth. No matter what, let's talk about Micaiah. Now this officer was polite he came to Micaiah and he said, look, it's 400 to zero to go. You need to jump in there with them, please, Micaiah. And this is my uh, paraphrase. Please don't rock the boat. Let's make this unanimous. And Micaiah's response basically carried rumble and lightning, rumble of thunder and lightning. He said, as the Lord lives, verse 14, whatever the Lord tells me, that's what I'm going to speak. Micaiah was saying, look, God's truth is not a nose of wax that can be twisted in any shape that you want it to be. There is a such thing as absolute truth, whether Ahab liked it or not. Folks, there is a such thing as absolute truth, whether you like it or not. And after that little exchange, Micaiah went off to see the king. And you can tell Ahab didn't like Micaiah because he doesn't even say, well, hello, Micaiah. Micaiah walks into his presence and Ahab said, shall I go to war against Ramoth Gilead or shall I refrain? And Micaiah's answer surprises you. And when you read it, he goes, go to war. You will, you will win. Now, he says it sort of in a mocking tone. Because he knows that Ahab's already heard 400 men say, well, go ahead and go. You already know your answer. Why are you asking me? And Ahab gets mad and he begins to say, how many times have I told you to tell me the truth? Now you think, well, wait a minute. Has Ahab had a change of heart? No, he hasn't. He just wants Jehoshaphat to hear that Micaiah never has anything good to say about him. And so he Basically, he kind of mocks those guys. Today, people seem to want a picture of God that's all making you feel good. We don't like to think of the God of judgment. Now, listen to me. I, I believe in the grace of God and the love of God, but I want to tell you something. The Bible's very clear. Jesus was very clear about the judgment of God. That's going to come on sin. You know, we've, we, most people today have got the idea of a little, like a little boy who drew a picture in Sunday school, had a long black limousine. The chauffeur in the front was a person that had a stick coming out of the head with a halo on it. And then there were two people in the back seat with nothing on but leaves. And the teacher said, what is this? He said, well, this is a picture of the Lord driving Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden. 
Well, that's sort of the picture that we have of that people want of God that he's, oh yeah, he's against sin, but he'll chauffeur us out of it. The, the fact is Ahab had, had not gone to the trouble of bringing Micaiah just to hear him parent what the other prophets were saying. Did I not tell you Jehoshaphat that when he speaks that after he, he told, he told Micaiah, tell me the truth. And Micaiah said, I'm going to tell you the truth. If you go to war, you are going to die. Ahab, you're going to die. Your army's going to be scattered. It's that simple. King of Israel, there will be no more king of Israel if you go. And then, my, and then Ahab turns to Jehoshaphat and he says in verse 18, did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? Now, let me pause and ask you something. Do you have the courage to stand and speak the truth? In a day and age when we're told we're supposed to love everybody, I agree with that. We're supposed to be kind and loving to everybody. But we're not to condone sinful lifestyles. And so if you've got a friend or you're in a relationship that's wrong, have you got the courage to say, listen, I love you, but do you realize that you're going to wreck your life if you keep going the direction you're going? I'm not judging you. I'm just one sinner throwing a lifeline out to another. Do you realize what you're doing is sinful? Do you realize you're going to ruin your life? Or do we keep our mouths shut? And when we keep our mouths shut, we condone what they're doing. John MacArthur said, a lot of Christians are like the Arctic River. They're frozen over at the mouth. They don't say anything. Well, you and I are not, we're not told to be mean. We're to, we're to do it in love, but we're to speak up. And don't be ashamed of the truth. Why are we afraid to tell the truth. Again, I don't ever stand up here. I don't, you can ask Laura. We get up early on Sunday morning. She's preparing for Sunday school lesson. I'm finishing up here. And, but, I, but I don't ever say with her when I'm leaving, honey, I'll see you at church in a minute. I don't ever say, honey, I'm going to make people feel miserable today. <laughs> but the word of God brings conviction it brings hope and assurance and and it's all of it but we're to speak the truth I know people have left this church because of the preaching it's I understand that and and, and I'm not offended anymore <laughs> I've learned that you know what I'm just the messenger it's like you getting mad at the mailman for all the junk mail you get it's just not him's fault he sticks it in there. It's got your name on it. Well, finally, don't miss the consequences. Do not play games with God. Let me tell you what happened here. Ahab must have thought, got to thinking about it. King of Israel's going to die. King of Israel's going to die. So I won't look like the king of Israel. Syrian captain Ben-Hadad told all of his troops, we're going to kill the king of Israel. Find him, target him, and the battle will be over. Ahab dresses up like a common soldier. 
And before he went, he put Micaiah in jail. He put him in prison. He said, Micaiah, you're going to prison. You're going to eat bread and water until I get back. And it doesn't say what Micaiah, he didn't say it, but he basically said, well, then I'm going to be eating a lot of bread and water because you're not coming back. Isn't it interesting that confining the messenger, Ahab thought he could thwart what God said. If I throw Micaiah in prison, then God can't do what he said he was going to do. Isn't that stupid? That's stupid. But that's what people do today. You know what? If I just find a church that agrees with me, then I don't have to worry about sin in my life. If I just find somebody who'll tell me what I want to hear, make me feel good, I don't have to worry about the sin in my life. Or I don't like what that preacher has to say. Or don't tell me about it. You're judging me. You know, they, they get this attitude. No, we're, nobody's judging anybody. We're just saying, thus says the Lord. You know, Ahab's not the only one that's ever ignored what God had to say. <laughs> the people of Samuel's day wanted to be like all the other nations. And so what did they do? They elected a fine man named Saul. Boy, were they ever sorry for that. And then there was that small remnant of people who were left after the Babylonians carried most of the population into captivity. And the remnant that was left in Judah came to Jeremiah and said, listen, we, we're thinking about we need to go with Egypt like everybody else, or do you think we ought to stay? And Jeremiah said, you need to stay. God wants you to stay right here. Listen to what they said, Jeremiah 44, 16. As for the word that you have spoken to us in the name of the Lord... We will not listen to you, but we will certainly do whatever has gone out of our own mouth. Hmm. And the thought of leaving the ruin and devastation of Judah behind and going to Egypt made these people feel good for a time. But little did they know when they were marching in the very same thing they'd left behind, many of them met death in Egypt. The message of Christianity has some very stern and disturbing aspects. We're all sinners. We're going to stand before God one day. We're going to give an account of our lives. It tells us if we stand before this God with our sins, he will send us into everlasting destruction. That does not make you leap up and down with joy, does it? Until you meet Jesus and you realize your sins are covered and when you stand before God, the price has already been paid. You're not going to be held accountable for that sin anymore because Jesus forgave it. The sin that separated you from God has now been covered. You've been given the righteousness of Jesus. Romans 8.1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in South Crest Baptist Church. <laughs> that just woke some people up that were watching on television probably. Those who are in any religion on earth, tell me who it is. Those who are in Christ Jesus. Some say everybody's basically good. God says all of sin, Romans 3.23. Some say there's no hell. There's no need to be concerned. God says, Luke 12.5, fear him who has the power to throw you into hell. Some say heaven's not a real place, but God says, I'm going to prepare a place for you in John 14, 2. Some say there's no such thing as life after death. God says man is destined to die, and after that, the judgment. Some say we can do nothing about the future. What's going to be will be. God says you must be born again, John 3, 7. 
To all who received him, he gave the right to become the children of God, John 1, 12. Some say we cannot be sure of salvation and our destiny when we die. God says you may know that you have eternal life, 1 John 5, 13. God tells us things. Ahab got thinking about it, dressed up as a soldier. When they went to battle, guess who the only one in kingly attire was? The king of Judah, Jehoshaphat. The scriptures say that when they started chasing him, and he basically said, I'm not Ahab, if that's who you're looking for. They turned. And then notice in verse 33, and it happened when the captains of chariots saw that it was not the king of Israel, that they turned back from pursuing him. Verse 34. Now a certain man drew a bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. So did he say to the driver of the chariot, turn around and take me out of the battle for I'm wounded. The battle increased that day and the king was propped up in his chariot facing the Syrians and died at evening. The blood ran out from the wound onto the floor of the chariot. Then as the sun was going down, a shout went throughout the army saying, every man to his city and every man to his own country. So the king died and was brought to Samaria and they buried the king in Samaria. Hmm, isn't that interesting? You lock up the messenger, God can't do it. A random arrow. It's not random. Not only did he strike Ahab, but struck through in the through the joints of his armor and killed him. Folks, you either listen to the truth or you face the consequences. You wouldn't play this game with your doctor. You go to the doctor and they scan you and they say, you know what? You've got this disease or you've got a malignancy or whatever. And you you say, you know what? You always tell me bad news. I'm going to go find me a doctor that will tell me what I want to hear. You wouldn't play that game. Well, why do you do it with your spiritual life? Why do you do it when it comes to the things of God? Feel-good religion is running at flood tide today. The question we must all ask ourselves, what value is there in a religion that says what I want to hear if I end up losing my eternal soul? It offends people when you say Jesus is the only way to be saved. Charles Spurgeon, the famous London preacher, summed it up like this. He said, what would you think of a man who's fallen overboard from a ship and is drowning because he refuses the rope? He says, I don't like that rope. I don't think that rope was made by the best manufacturer. Besides, it's got a little tar on it. I don't like the sailor who threw it over in the side of the ship. And so the man drowns. And then the people one day that pick up the body say, served him right isn't that crazy what people think today but the world is full of people who don't want to hear the truth we don't have to make the truth ugly we don't have to be mean about it 
But you can call it what you want, but when you begin to compromise the spelled out principles and truths of God's word, then you have taken a religion and made it a feel-good religion. You've taken the truth of God and made it a feel-good religion. And God's word stands. God said it. That settles it. We used to say, God said it, I believe it. That settles it. God said it, that settles it, whether you believe it or not. And so today, is, the question is this. Have you come to the place in your life that you know for certain that you have eternal life, that you're going to spend eternity with heaven, with God? that you have repented of your sin and invited Jesus Christ into your life and committed your life to him, do you know that for certain? Because if you don't, 1 John 5 tells us that you can know that you're saved. You can know. And it tells us also the good news. The good news is this. God loves you so much. And God wants you to be in his family. He wants you in the kingdom. He wants to save you. He wants to forgive you. But there are conditions. Repentance is one of them. Turn from your sin. Stop it. Change your mind about it. Understand that you're a sinner separated from God, that you can't save yourself and come asking God to forgive you and then receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior, knowing that he died on the cross, that he rose again, giving your life to Christ. The Lord made it very plain. He wants you to be part of a group of believers that assemble together. This is just one of many but if you're not part of it, I mean, you've joined it and been part of it, then get somewhere where you can join and quit being a perpetual lifetime guest. I want to be part of something. I want to be part of it. I want my name there. I want to be part of it. I, I'm, I'm thankful you're coming, but folks, listen, God wants you to be part of it. Let's pray. Thank you for that compelling message, Pastor David. Ahab wanted to surround himself with yes-men who would tickle his ear with what he wanted to hear, but he discovered that to decide what is true simply by what we feel is sheer folly. The application for us today is simple. Be courageous and always speak the truth and consider the consequences of playing games with God. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Be sure to catch our next installment of the Southcrest Live podcast. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information, to make a commitment, or to request prayer, please text the word podcast to 555-888. You can also connect with us on our Southcrest app or our website for complete worship services or to plan to visit us in person. Thanks again for listening.